Hi, I'm Jim. And I'm David. And this is the Practical Guitarist Podcast. The podcast for people who eat, sleep, and breathe guitar. David here, reminding you of all the ways you can participate in the Practical Guitarist Podcast. Subscribe using your chosen podcast app. Take the time to put in a review with the service where you found our podcast, like iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or Google Play. Get involved. Find our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash practical guitarist. You can also find us on Twitter as at practguitarist. If you're interested in supporting the show, we have launched a Threadless store at practicalguitaristpodcast.threadless.com. If you'd like to donate money to the show, there's always Patreon. Our Patreon is available at patreon.com slash practicalguitarist. If you'd like to reach out to us directly, you can do so at questions at practicalguitarist.com. On with the show. Hi, my name is David, and I have a problem. Hi, David. This is Jim, and we're here to help you with your problem. When do I get my fucking coin? <laughs> That's all I want to know. You have a few months to go, bro. No shit, man. Um, well, before we get started, let me read you a Craigslist ad. I think we, I think for a new segment, we're going to call Funny Craigslist uh, Musician Ads. This is a guitarist, I think, or a guitar that was posting to Craigslist. Here we go. Guitar, want to play good. Fast, heavy, slow, mid-tempo. Somewhere between Brainiac and Old Man Gloom, period. If you live in Richmond area, no, sorry. If you live in Richmond, I go there all the time and don't mind the travel. Percent sign, reverse bracket. Yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea what the hell's going on in that. And it's for you to translate. I, I'm surprised that this person hasn't had millions of responses. He's just asking for a guitar that plays good, right? Guitar play good. No, a guitar that wants to play good. A guitar that wants to play good. It doesn't necessarily have to play good. It wants to play good. Yeah, I, I would hope the guitar would want to play good. Otherwise, it's going to end up with firewood, right? I mean, that's correct. Or fire plastic, or depending on you know your era and <laughs> fire style. Plastic. Um, remember, remember to dispose of your guitars correctly, according to the the uh, recycle and non-recycle laws within your state or province. You know, the funny thing is, I'm I, I for the first time today, I I have decided that I actually. I'm kind of glad I'm in the middle of year of no gear. Really? Okay. And, Explain. And, okay. So this is going to sound absolutely insane, but I can't make up my mind on what the next guitar I'm going to buy is going to be. I have no fucking clue. I spent the entire day watching Anderton's videos and I watched videos of Stratocasters and I watched videos of GNLs and I watched videos of Silver Sky and I watched videos of, I mean, you name it, I probably saw it at some point today. Uh, the Sterling um, uh, Axis and all this different stuff. Like, and I'm still just as confused, if not more confused, than I was this morning. <laughs> I was hoping I'd be able to single something out and be like, "Yeah, this is my goal. This is where I'm headed." But I still have no goddamn clue. And I could definitely <laughs> see myself at the end of this year being like, "I'm going to end up with two, you know, because <laughs> <laughs> I don't think any production guitar that's out there really has all the things I want. And if yeah. a listener wants to point me in the direction of a production guitar um, that that has these features, I would be thrilled. I will say what the features are. I'm looking for a um, 
a 25 or 25 and a half inch scale with stainless steel frets of a large size. Um, it's got to have, uh, it doesn't have to have locking tuners. That's not a big deal. I'll upgrade those. I don't care about that. I would prefer hum single single. I want a tremolo bridge that is not a Floyd Rose. Uh, I want a set neck or as whatever you can do to get rid of the heel. Even if it's like a PRS CE, you know, like almost no heel whatsoever kind of deal. Um, and if I can find those quality, oh, and a pick guard. I don't want direct mount pickups if I can avoid it. Um, if I could find those qualities in a in a guitar, I think I would be thrilled. And then, like, that's why I keep coming back to the Ibanez AC, but it has a heel. I mean, it's like a big heel. I don't care if it's rounded off. It's still a heel. Um, and the reason I'm saying no heel, I've been doing all the that exercises and stuff, and I get to the 12th fret or the 14th fret, and my thumb comes out from underneath the neck. There's nothing I can do about it. Because the heel is, you know, like the fifteenth, I think it's it's close to where it joins. So, right. and my my, I have short, stubby fingers. So, um, I understand the Jason Becker model from Kiesel has no heel, and it has a stratty kind of body, so that might work for me. I don't know. I did that's that's kind of where I'm headed. That and I saw these uh, custom Telecasters that uh, Andertons did this afternoon, and uh, they did one of this purple sparkle, and it was um. It was a road worn. It was a road worn, but it was a. It's like a, a, a what do you call it? a relic finish. And uh, I'm not huge on the relic, but I liked it because in this guitar the finish was so thin you could see the wood grain. But it was sparkly and like it, it had a tremendous look to it. And uh, I think Danish Pete actually has one. So I don't know. I kind of I I'm like hmm maybe I can get a Strat like that. Like maybe I can order one and. Or or get a cheapie and have it refinished like that. I don't know. I I really like the look of the guitar. That's the first time I've actually seen a guitar where I'm like, yeah, I'd probably buy that on looks alone. Um, <laughs> so you know, uh, teach his own. I guess I, I'm sure there are a lot of guys out there that just do that. You know, they're like, oh, that you know that red is sick. I love it. I'm buying it. Um, oh, that's yeah. not me. Um, but yeah. So gear of no gear and and uh, impulse purchases. There aren't any. Number one. Um, I did. So I, I have been making like these little tiny minor purchases here and there, like strings and that kind of thing. Um, this week I bought, I bought knobs for my, um, for my Indonesian S 500. Cause I need dome knobs. I had the, the regular S 500 comes with tele knobs. And, um, I was realizing that the top hats were causing me to bump the controls all the time. Cause they, they have the, uh, the fender style top hats on them. And, yep. uh, I, I, you know, I grew up using those, but I, but I've been not using them for so long that I'm like, man, I got to go back to, to, uh, domes. And I'm actually, my first guitar had domes. So, um, many, many years ago. And I think I've gravitated towards them since almost every guitar I've had has had dome knobs on it, at least at some point. Um, so I'm happy to have them. I got them. There's a guy local here who sells them on reverb and I got them for like the whole set for like 11 bucks. They were, they're decent. They're not junky, like, pla- you know, like plastic in, inner core with a um, metal outer core or whatever that's, you know, super thin or something. They're, they, they're pretty solid. They're actually pretty heavy, too. So hopefully they'll last me a long time before they start tarnishing and stuff. But, um, yeah, so we wanted to talk about addiction today and gas. Yeah. And for those of you who are uninitiated, 
gases, gear acquisition syndrome. And it's something that's very close to my heart. And it, it is close to Jim's heart as well. As I look at the four guitars he has hanging behind him and the <laughs> dozens, I know he actually has in other places. Um, it's panic attack inducing on your, wa- on your wallet, especially. Um, and I entered into year of no gear. And I think we've talked about this on the show before, because um, partially because I thought it would be good for the show. Uh, and it would be kind of a competition thing. But now that the competition's over and I'm three months in, I'm like, no, this is this is a personal quest at this point. Um, and I really haven't come that close to buckling. The one time I almost bought an amp, but I ended up not doing it, and I'm glad I didn't because I would have regretted it. Um, that would have been my early out, and I probably would be broke right now. Um, but uh, no early out, and um, have a nice little nest egg starting to save up for really fancy guitar. Um, and I, in fact, I think it was talking to somebody, I don't know, it was in the Facebook group, but it might've been via private message. And we were talking about, you know, I ways to save money. And you know, it sounds silly, but like buying an expensive guitar that lasts you a long time or is, is an investment, um, brings you a lot more happiness and joy than buying, you know, an effect pedal here and there that you just keep flipping and selling and um ultimately i mean you can spend three grand on your pedal board but wouldn't it be better to spend three grand on a decent guitar i think that what we i'm not sure how people look at it but i'm just going to give a generalization of feeling is that there's this instant gratification i can spend seventy dollars eighty dollars a hundred dollars two hundred dollars and i don't feel too bad right you've seen you've seen that person that has like twenty guitars hanging behind them right yeah those people scare the shit out of me typical but typically if you look close headstocks you got epiphone samic uh you know there's a lot of they're not always the the real high-end gibsons i have seen some people that there's all the only way they had what they had was like they had to own a store because i saw i remember years ago in harmony central was a guy posted his collection and he just posted the cases and honestly there was an entire wall of his house that was you know, end like like on their you know on their ends, lined up mm-hmm. against the wall, guitar cases, and they were like Fender cases and stuff. And I'm just going, you're out of your mind, man. And he had an entire wall of his house. There was probably I want to say there's 200 cases. I was just like, what are you doing? And then and then you ask the question, you're like, is that in your basement? And one flood, <laughs> that's all it takes. Yeah, exactly. Uh, um. Yeah, I mean, if you're a pro, like, I get it. You have to, you know, have a guitar for each song or whatever, depending on what you're doing. Like, I understand that. Um, but for the vast majority of us, we really don't need more than five or six. I know that that's going to be, like, you know, blasphemy to most people. But this is the practical guitarist. You know, for what you're yeah. doing at any given time, um, you know, five or six. Maybe, maybe a couple extra if you're doing something else on the side or... You have, you know, you always gravitate towards this particular style, but that's not what you're playing on stage, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. So, well, okay, so we what we've got um, is when when you're looking at a, um, there's two sides of practicality, right? Um, and really, I guess there's practical and impractical. Um, some people are sitting uh, with a lot of large amount of money, right? And they and they want to spend it on good stuff. I had a friend who was a lawyer, and um, 
He had 19 Gibson Les Pauls. 19 of them. Well, he's a lawyer. He's a lawyer. And he spent his money on what he wanted, and he wanted Les Pauls. And, you know, for people who are, are not of that means, he, he made a good living. Um, 19 Les Pauls, a lot of Les Pauls. I don't care. I know stores that have not seen 19 Les Pauls. Yeah, yeah. You know, much less um, an individual. Well, then you look at wrong with that either. I mean, if you no. have the money, go for it. Um, right. I'm just saying, like, if you're if you're the typical starving player, you know, you don't have to do well, that. It's not necessary. right. That's where I'm going. So, but if you're the everyday starving player, I think Nick Nick Bongers was the one who mentioned um, that he doesn't buy a guitar. Unless um, he's got uh, a use a, for it, a use for it. I think it was. Re- I think and that was regarding amps because he was saying like, "I'll buy guitars, yeah, but they have to be vintage." Right, and um, well, I would, yeah. Let's talk gear in general, um, and the gigs have to pay for the difference, right. In any you know sale to upgrade, right. So if you look at it that way, and you say, "Okay, I got to have." My income doesn't pay for this. My income from the bands pay for it. Mm-hmm. It's a completely different thing. It's also a different drive. We're in a we're in a particularly different society now because there are people who, and some of them YouTube celebrities, who don't gig. They don't get a make a living outside I, of um, that, and then and then it's like okay, but. It's not supporting uh, your family. It's not I, putting food on the table. You know, it's I, this actually harkens back to something else I wanted to talk about today. I posted that horrible, horrible um, video of my playing and just kind of noodling around with uh, some different changes and stuff from, mm-hmm. from YouTube. And um, first off, I want to apologize if you sat through the first five minutes of that video because it was <laughs> it was pretty bad. Um, That's pretty much all I could sit through. It was pretty embarrassing. Like if you actually, Jim, the funny thing is if you waited till like, you know, 15 minutes in or something, it starts to get decent. Um, yeah. But it was, the funny part is like, I'd been sitting there and I'd been actually playing for like an hour before that. And I was cooking. Cause otherwise I wouldn't have gotten the camera out. But by the time I got the camera out and set up my tripod, like everything fell apart. <laughs> I was like, what the hell is happening here? I was so embarrassed. Yeah. And I didn't even watch, but I, so I just posted, I figured, oh, there's a couple sour notes in there. It'll be fine. And then I started watching it and I was like, oh my God, this was worse than I remember. <laughs> like really bad stuff. But that was because I put 30 minutes of, you know, video down and I forgot how bad the first like five was, or I wouldn't have posted it. But um, the reason right. I'm bringing this up is because like, I'm kind of looking at it the same way too. Is like, well, I'm not playing right now. I mean, at the very minimum, I could provide entertainment to people for free via, you know, Facebook or whatever. And maybe they get something out of my playing. Maybe they don't. Um, at least it helps me keep my chops up to think about performance and all that. So I'm kind of like using it as, um, you know, you used to go to open mics and stuff like that. And it wasn't just about meeting the other players. It was just kind of like to keep your chops up and to make sure that, you know, you could still, um, carry the room and stuff. And I'm kind of thinking maybe I should use it that way. Um, that being said, you know, you got to have a big enough audience to actually, you know, need that or to, to get anything out of it. But yeah, so uh, I apologize if you heard that, but that's kind of what I'm thinking right now. And that's, I mean, that's kind of the mode of guys like <clears throat> Jared Dines, um, who, you know, really don't perform regularly. 
Uh, Jared does actually, though, I think, but he's, yeah, he does. He's more he's of a drummer. a drummer. Yeah, he's yeah. more of a drummer than anything, um, which is why I don't understand why his got so many guitar videos. And I know we have fans of his in the uh, Facebook group and and probably who listen to this show. There's a little bit of crossover there, but I, you know, I don't really think much of his playing. There's a lot of guys out there that play yeah. a lot like him or better. Um, yeah. And just like, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to listen to that kind of music, uh, Tosin Abasi is head and shoulders, probably the best chant player right now. Um, I, I listened to him on Jude Gold just recently on that, or uh, No Guitar Safe. And mm-hmm. um, I was just, I was floored. Some of the things he was doing, he'd just talk about like, oh, yeah, I do this and this and this. It was just like nothing. He, you know, these super complicated lines. He's like, well, yeah, he's a guy that would shed that one for like three weeks. It's like no yeah. big deal. And I just use it all times. <laughs> yeah. I would have to woodshed it for a year and I would use it like he's, once. Like, yeah, but he's totally this <clears throat> dude that, you know, that's all he does is play guitar all day yeah. long. And, he, you yeah. know, I've joked about how I used to play on the shitter. Like, I'm sure Tosin Abasi plays in the shitter. There, there's no doubt in my mind. <laughs> um, I don't know if he takes his... Uh, and takes it in there. But. So I word to the Facebook group. If there's anybody in the Chicago area, uh, any of our listeners, if you're in the Chicago area, Tosin will be at Chicago music exchange. I believe on October 9th. Um, doing you're going to go over there. Yeah. Uh, Dan Kish and I are going to go over there. So I can't, I'm, I'm really excited to see Tosin. Um, Cause I missed him. He, he didn't get, make it to gear fest this year. He was supposed to be there uh, for Fishman and he ended up bombing out cause there was a problem with his plane. So he didn't get there in time. Um, man, what a ki- what a killer player! It's him and uh, I forget who else. Somebody else. Somebody reasonably well known. Um, but they're 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 for fishmen. So, um, it'll be a it'll be a fun event. Maybe I'll win some pickups or something. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Maybe you can set up a, a discussion. So, um, uh, yes. One of the things that you're doing as you go without buying gear and i've been without hating buying gear myself. for a little while hating well myself. yeah minus yeah. Uh, i had to hunker down a bit we weren't sure what was happening with my contract that i was on and we got we got it um but oh awesome. it was a little bit of a uh, little bit of oh i better save every penny i've got right now just I don't be know. careful just be careful uh, you know so i don't want to go nuts because then then it's like whoosh, but then you go ooh, i better Better be careful. Well, you and I, so um, we've both been having some personal stuff like that lately. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. You get the, oh my God, and they get the whoosh moment, but then you got, mm, what if it comes again? So, but um, yeah, that's what the, the new band yeah, is. It, every, time that, care of. every time that happens, though, you're like the squirrel, right? You got to gather all the nuts just to make sure yep. that, you know, you have your ducks in a row. So. Well, realistically, if the new band works out the way we're, we're looking at, we've, you know, got some discussions with booking agents and such. Um, I can make an extra house payment um, 12 times next year oh, and awesome. still have money for gear. Awesome. Yeah. That's how, that's how uh, much we're going to work. Yeah. Well, I had, um, I had a friend growing up whose father used to gig and he told us he was making $30,000 a year doing wedding gigs. Yeah. And that, you know, put that in perspective that it would have been in the eight seventies and eighties. Right. So that's like $60,000 today, which right. that's, you know, that my, many people don't make that much right now. I mean, so that's a lot of money. <laughs> now, oh, yeah. the cool thing is that that's the same guy that has the uh, the Rickenbacker twelve string, 
the mm-hmm. uh, twelve thousand dollar Rickenba- Rickenbacker um, from like nineteen sixty eight, and then yep. uh, he has a he has a CF Martin twelve string as well, um, which is I, I have no idea how much that's worth. That thing's basically priceless. Um, you know, if anybody hasn't actually had their hands on an old an old Martin, it's it's kind of funny because they don't have truss rods, or if they do, they're not adjustable. You have to take the neck off and get into it in order to uh, straighten the neck, or you have to steam the neck, and it's a big pain in the ass. Oh yeah. So it's his neck is currently severely bowed. <laughs> yeah, rec- well, Rickenbackers, yeah, they're so they're neck through typically. So uh, yeah, well, no, I'm not talking about the Rick. I'm talking about the CF Martin he's got. Right, right. Yeah, talking about the Rickenbackers. The, the well, so they're neck through, but they also have uh they do have a rod in them though. Yes, they do. And especially, I think his twelve actually has two rods. Yeah, that makes sense. If I dual truss rod, yeah, I, if yeah. I recall, which yeah. that kind of makes sense given the amount of tension. Um, yep. He's got he's got this super rare thing on it called the Drop Six, which oh. um, was a was a factory option, and it has like it's like a claw system, and you can pull it over and pull it down, and it actually takes six of the strings out of the out of the path of the pick, which yep. is really an odd feature to have on a guitar, yeah. but it kind of works. Uh, uh, did cool. you try it? Yeah, I played did it. You try it, Tyler. Uh, no. So here's the thing. We don't, he didn't want us to use the drop six. So I didn't mess with it. He's like, it's functional, but every time you use it, it causes the guitar to go out of tune and stuff. So that's what I was just going to say. Throws it way out of tune, changes a whole lot of dynamics. And I don't know if you played it that way, but you kind of have to learn where to put your pick because they're, they're out of the way pretty much. Yeah. They're, they're lower, but they're still there. And if you think about it, it wrecks havoc on the guitar because it's no different than holding the strings down, like to where the pickups are at. That's absolutely right. So almost, almost exactly on top of the pickup, depending on how high you get the pickup set. That's probably why um, they have the double truss rod is to help so counteract that. Yeah. I got to play an old three thirty and an old, um, uh, was it Rickenbacker? Is it three thirty and six sixty? Yeah, I think so. Three sixty six, three thirty three, and six sixty three sixty six. Yeah, something like that. Oh my god! I got to play two of those um, this week. Uh, in a collection, and um, yep, I learned why I didn't want the lower end of the three thirty three. The the um, I'm not, I hated that. Thing. I'm not a big fan of the Rick sound, man. I got to be honest. Um, I so I have never played because you know I guess they're all semi hollow, right? They don't make a full solid body guitar. Oh, they were both they were both solid body. Oh, they do they do do a full solid body because all the ones I've ever seen have been semi semi hollow. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I'll get the I'll get the actual um serial or I mean oh uh, yeah the model. actual model number um so my whole thing is so I I mean, like get the birds and I get a lot of the uh, I guess the '80s indie bands that were using them and I get the sound like that jangly thing and I mean I, honestly it's it just doesn't do much for me I I would rather so I'm I'm an extremist right I want my sounds to be like very strat like. Or very humbucker like, you know, and really, um, there I don't have much room in between. And I know the strat isn't as far as the telecaster in terms of a single coil sound, but um that's kind of where I sit. And so when I hear a lot of these odd other pickups, even jazz masters and all that kind of stuff, they just they don't do a whole lot for me. Um I'm not saying that there aren't some that wouldn't pique my interest. I'm mean, certainly there's um like some gretches and stuff that I, I kinda like, but um I like the Supro pick, the old Supro pickups too, but I don't, I'm not, I wouldn't seek them out. I mean, if somebody handed me a Supro and was like, play this on stage, I'd be like, okay. 
But I'm not going to, you know, go dig one out of the garbage bin and put it in one of my guitars. Yeah. So what I played was a Model 350 V63, which was a, um, it was based on the 325 that, that was the Liverpool guitar. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It was a famous thing. Three pickups, like a TV Jones style thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, That's kind of what they were cool. known for. Yeah, it was cool. The other one I played was a... Um, in the three, what was it? Uh, three, three, or no, 600, 600 series, six, 620, model 620, which is also, it's just a two pickup version, really, of the same guitar. Um, the pickups are very far apart. Um, not like, uh, your typical humbuckers are relatively they're they're relatively close together. Mm-hmm. These things are like whew, way out there. Yeah. The neck pickup is way out of the It always seemed like the Rick body is so big. It is. And, and, and I don't know how, how many frets they have. I'm assuming it's twenty one. But it always just seemed yeah, like the 21. scale was like a lot longer or something. Yeah, it's twenty one frets. They the one thing about Rickenbackers, I love a Rickenbacker, by the way. One thing about Rickenbackers is that the headstocks are the ugliest things. Oh, I've yeah. ever no, seen. actually, I really like the headstock. That was the one thing that I actually really like about them. Oh, no, I'm talking about the six string headstocks. I'm not talking no, about no. the base heads. No, that's what the I'm talking about. The bases have that cool. The, oh, yeah, no, no. I'm talking about the six strings. They're fine. I don't, really? I don't, mind, I don't mind them. You like those? Uh, they're not Tyler's, if you want to go that far. Um, I don't think they're the prettiest thing on earth, but I'm like, they fit the guitar. Yeah. So, um, I those guitars have a very retro look that is very different than what you would typically think of when you say the word retro. You know, I think when I hear retro, I think Supros and and airlines and stuff like that. Maybe a little bit of uh, Jazzmaster, you know, Jaguar type guitars. I don't think Rickenbacker or Rickenbacker, but when I see them, I'm like, yeah, no, that's a that's definitely a re- retro design. You know, that's that yeah. pick guard and everything. Um, the only the only Rickenbacker I've ever really wanted was a 360 12 string. That's the only one I really. I mean, other than the bass. I mean, yeah, because I, I mean the birds and all that stuff. I mean, I get it. Yeah. yeah. Um, honestly, looking at the at their lineup, the only guitar that I think I would buy from Rickenbacker is probably their bass. Yeah, the rumor bass. I guess it's the rumor, right? Is that what they call it? The rumor bass. Yeah, that their main bass. Oh, the four. You mean the four thousand three? Is that what it is? I yeah. I don't know why I was thinking it was called the rumor base. No, because you don't want a four thousand four. You want a four thousand three. Yeah, that one. You want that, a 4, yeah, that like Lemmy the, and all those guys were using. Yes, that's the four thousand three. Yeah, so the four thousand three, um, would be like one of my staple bases if I had you know bases in the studio for a band to come in and play. I would have yeah. you know P bass, J bass, obviously, and then I would probably have like a Stingray. And then I would have that and some sort of active bass, probably a Spectre or something. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, you could pick and choose the ones you want. And you really only need one bass amp, and that's an SVT classic, but that's my opinion. I can tell you, you know who made <laughs> probably, to me at least, probably one of the greatest basses um, uh, as far as uh, killer bass for, for decent money was uh, Schechter. Yeah, Schechter Schechter's, makes some good ones. Schechter makes some fucking bases. great basses, man. Oh. I had a, so you told uh, the me this story about that PD. I know which one you're yeah, going to talk about. I tell you, man, I almost I, bought one of those myself. I love that thing. It was a millennium. It was not a BXP. It was yeah. not a made overseas one. The American made. 
it was just fantastic. It was killer. Even I, the BXBs are not bad. Stuff. They're not terrible. No, they're not terrible, but it, none of them. I would have bought one had I, you know, come so around to. Did you see that uh, PV brought back the Wolfgang? No. They're calling it the, um, and you're going to laugh, it's the HP model, as in the Hartley PV model. Oh, that's a <laughs> and kick it's, right it's in the a, nuts, It's a it? USA guitar. Really? And, and they honestly look really damn good. Wow. I was looking at them. I'm, I kind of want to go actually play one. Yep. Because um, I'd love to stick one to EVH. Um, just because. Actually, I really... So I had a PV... Oh, yeah, the H, HP trademark he's got a big trademark uh-huh. on it too. yeah number two and oh, look yeah, how look how he stroked the body now it looks just like a wolf gang <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's hysterical no so i um i had a wolf gang a pv wolf gang uh i had a special it was a gold top with two seymour duncans in it and um it had a i think it was a jb set you know and uh i actually really liked that guitar i i i parted ways with it um, because it had no trim, number one. So, uh, and I got the SG, so it kind of defeated the purpose of it for, for what I was doing. But man, I would love to have um, a tremolo equipped guitar with you know bird's eye maple neck like the one I had because that that bird's eye maple neck was pretty outstanding. Um, you know, well, stay, things yeah, sometimes I'm slip looking, through your fingers. That's all I can I'm say. looking at one right now. The uh, it's gorgeous. The uh, tiger eye color scheme. Oh yeah, you're oh, looking at the same one I was looking at. God, yeah, that is beautiful, man. Holy shit. Yeah, yeah. I'd like to. I'd like to give that a try. Is that 24 frets or 22? I believe they're 20. 22. Are they are they 22? Yeah, I believe they, well, I thought they were 24. I think it's but, 22. But either way, um, they look really cool, and I don't think they're horribly expensive either. They're right around the price of a CE, I think, retail. So mm-hmm. who knows what they're actually going for in stores? Probably about a thousand bucks. And it'd be interesting. Well, well, let me tell you something. It's twenty one ninety nine on the website. Yeah, but that's their price, which means yeah. that we don't know what the retailers are selling them for. Right. Um, given this PV, I would I would think around fifteen hundred. Um, if yep. they're, I wouldn't be surprised if they're not selling them for for twenty two or whatever. I mean, they're made in USA, and you know that they have to have the quality level because they got to compete with Fender for the EVH yeah. stuff. Um, yeah. I honestly, um, I, from, for my needs right now, if I was going to go that way, I would probably be looking at a Charvel, um, over, over an EVH number one. Cause I don't want anything with his name on it. I mean, what the hell with, I mean, I still, it, we've talked about this show before. I have a problem with buying guitars. that has somebody's signature on it, yep. but to have the brand share the initials with the artist. I come on, yep. guys. I, I mean, it, it, nobody like unless Paul gets away with it. Because let's face it, the generation of musicians that are playing Les Pauls today, I right. bet three quarter of them probably don't even realize who Les Paul actually was. Yep. Um, you know, us gear nuts, we all know uh, he designed pretty much half the gear we use in some form or fashion. Yeah. Um, but. I don't know. So anything other than that, I just kind of kind of trips me out when I see somebody's name attributed to it like that. EVH oh, by Wolfgang. Oh, uh, that's named after his nephew or his son or something. Son, it's the son. son. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. I don't care. Wolfgang. Yeah. You know your you know your dad didn't like it when he called you Wolfgang. Well, the fifty one fifty was the number was the address of his studio. Was it? So, yeah, that's why he took it with him when he. 
when he left PV. Funny how all they- I remember was when when he left PV he was like, "Yeah, you can't call it the fifty one fifty anymore." So they okay. called it the sixty five oh five. You know, I, I hate to say now I am not a big Hartkey Hartley Hartkey Hardy whatever his name is PV fan, but as far as the person, I know it can be a little bit of a douche, but um, as far as the stuff he's done to when dude he has re- he has reinvented the industry so many times. Yeah, I mean, he, people don't give him credit, really. I mean, yeah, he's he's not conceited. He's convinced. You can there say was that, a, yeah. But. Well, there was a time like when he was making all the inexpensive stuff that everybody's like, oh, he's just the, the ghetto budget guy. And, you know, right. I, I get it. He was. But at that time that, you know, he was the, the man for the masses. But he was the one he you was could, the one person who was making inexpensive stuff that still had decent. Yeah, that was good. And quality. even today he makes they, they are, that company still makes good, inexpensive stuff. Now, right. not everything they make is good. I mean, right. they're they're El Cheapo stuff. Eh. Yeah, but you but, can say that about every every company. Oh, the I think no, I think there's thing. I think their bottom end is below other companies' bottom end. I think where they start to start to really make some value is things like the classic series of amp line, and then um, the sixty five oh fives are an outstanding value. Um, have you picked up one of the sub two hundred dollar freaking um, uh, guitars uh, from? Well, not Fender now. I guess it's Squire by Fender or whatever. Sure, sure. Yeah, uh, it just They're depends. Crap. Well, it depends. Again, have you picked up one of the sub two hundred dollar PVs like a like an old Predator or something? Wow. I mean, I'm not talking about old. I'm talking about now. Well, that that's what I'm saying. If you go pick up a two hundred dollar Squire now, it's playable. You pick up a $200 PV from 10 years ago, it's not playable. <laughs> yeah, but 10 years ago, nobody was playable. Well, if you, good luck finding one to try now because nobody <laughs> will even carry them because they never got their brand quality up. That's, that's, yeah. that's why HP is being advertised as a made-in-USA guitar because everybody knows import right. from PV equals shit. And that's um, why when I came to my base, I was like, I'm not buying a... Um, you know, an imported version of that. Yeah, I think, I think where you get the most value out of PV is in that 500 to a thousand dollar range. I think once you go over a thousand dollars, you're, you should be looking at another brand for anything they do. And I'm not just, yeah. you know, even if we want to get into like PA equipment and that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. I got that PV for $450 or $400. It was an incredible good deal. Yeah. And they, they, I see them on reverb, like new, new old stock like that. Um, and I, that's the one I almost bought. I think I don't think it wasn't important. I think it was a, and I ended up I ended up balking because I'm like they won't they won't cut twenty five bucks out of the price, so I'm not buying it. Um, and the, that's how I ended up with my my jazz bass. But um, yeah, I'm they're they're a great brand. I I'll just give them that. Like they do produce some outstanding products. I know I've kind of poo pooed the uh, their fifty one fifty the sixty five oh five. But the 6505, after listening to some AB clips and stuff on um, Anderton's Today and some other things, I I do think I actually lean towards the 6505 being a better amp than what um, the EVH is. And that's because the EVH is noisy as shit. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, it has a yeah. built-in gate, doesn't it? They had, they had to put a noise gate in the, six, or in the 5150. Yeah. yeah. The 5153 or whatever. They, yep. I, I mean, the 6505 is a freaking gained out amp and it doesn't have much of a clean channel. 
but at least it's right. not absurdly noisy. So bingo. Um, I don't know. I think I think that's a a loss for Fender on that one. They they really could have. So Fender needed somebody like Eddie Van Halen um, to come in and kind of champion some of their higher gain stuff. I don't know if you guys are familiar with oh, well, Jim. I don't know if you're familiar with the uh, Supersonic line. Um, they're great amps. And I was really kind of surprised that nobody really caught on with those amps. Now, there are a couple of guys using them. Uh, I know Greg Koch used them for a while when he was, I don't know if it was because of his Fender endorsement or if he used them. I know Jeff Beck was using them for a while. Um, Steve Vai was using them. He had, yeah. he had a couple on stage with him. And uh, I played, I played a couple. I almost bought one several times. Um, I honestly would probably consider one right now if I could get a decent deal on one used, but people know they're good enough amps that they don't, they get pretty good prices used. Uh, I actually like the little 22 watt, the, the deluxe reverb platform one. But, um, I thought that they would try to get somebody like an Eddie, Van, not Eddie Van Halen himself, but somebody maybe from that time period, um, to start using them. And if they could do that and they could, you know, hash out some sort of endorsement deal, then they would be able to finally say, look, we did it. We made a high gain amp that people are actually interested in. But right. that's never panned out. So now I think Fender's kind of going the other way, and they're like, we really don't need to make a high-gain amp because not everybody plays high-gain amps. And so they have kind of that whole other end of the spectrum. Anybody who doesn't play a high-gain amp has a Fender. You know, I don't know if I agree with that strategy. but um, So back to the year of no gear, fallout, terrifying manifestation yeah. that is my life. Um, I have been going through some crises lately and realizing that I am in fact addicted to gear in the same way that people can be addicted to anything really. Um, shopping is probably the most common one I can think of. And there've been some questions posed about it in the group. And, um, I would, I would absolutely, you know, like to answer some of those. Um, one of the, one of the questions that came up was, you know, I don't know if it was a question that was posed by someone or if it was posed by myself in my head, but it was like, you know, what, what does this, um, why, how do you characterize as an addiction, I guess? And it's the fact that, um, I was getting something out of the time, out of the fact that I bought new gear, even if it was something that I put up on the shelf, it was just like, Oh, that's cool. I have that now. And that felt really good. And then after a couple of weeks, that feeling fades and I'm like, all right, I got to get something else that makes me feel really good. And yeah. now having, having put enough distance between buying crap and actually playing guitar, I, my, for one thing, my guitar playing is improving, which you can't tell from that video today. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, uh, that, no that, comment. that is, that looks like it came from like four or five years ago. You know, the really yeah. funny thing is I had a, I had a video come across my, uh, my timeline this morning of when I got this fender strap from a, from a coworker and, um, I fixed it up, ended up selling it off. Um, but anyway, I, I got it and I played it and I was like, I was really stoked about the video cause I wanted to show my coworker like, yeah, so this is what I did with your guitar. And, um, after, after doing all that work, now I'm kind of like scratching my head and I'm going, wow, that really wasn't even that good playing in that video and I, I can definitely play you know outplay that video by a lot and so now I kind of sit back and I laugh and um, 
I put that video up today and I'm like, what the hell? This is even worse than that. Like by a long shot. Um, I've been, you know, I've been a stage comfortable player for a really long time. Uh, the better part of, you know, I would see I've been playing probably almost 20 years now. So probably the better part of like 18 or 19 years. I was, I was playing out um, after about a year. So to, for me to like post something like that, and I, it's bad enough that, that like I would get booed off the stage if I did that for real. Um, so oh, yeah. it, it was just, it's just kind of funny. It's really embarrassing. And I, you know, um, but in terms of the gear, no gear thing, like I've, I've been spending more focus on actually playing the instrument and making more out of what I have, which is something we wanted to talk about in this episode. So right. we've noticed, um, and I'm not pointing fingers at any particular podcast, but, uh, some of our contemporary podcasts, um, they've kind of shifted focus. A lot of them in the beginning used to be about, you know, hey, you can get by with whatever you got. And it's kind of like shifting focus to, oh, yeah, and there's these other brands, you know, that you could be interested in that are that are kind of high dollar. Um, And I don't I don't fault that. Like, I understand there are certain players where that's their that's their jam is like to have a pedal board with, you know, really expensive boutique stuff on it because that's where they get most of their sound from. But I'm not that guy. And um, I find that there are some really simple stuff you can do to get the sounds out of the guitars you have and basically just make them sound the way you want to, or at least get closer to what you want out of the box. Number one, the first thing is um, the first modification you can do is actually learn to play. Uh, And and I'm not, I'm not making fun of people or anything like that. But if you don't know how to play your instrument yet, and you're like, you're still in the beginning phases, throwing money at the problem is not going to solve it. And that's right. why I wanted to bring this up. So the first thing to do is to get yourself some lessons. If you if you feel like, you know, you're not up to snuff or you can't pick up a book and like just start playing along with the book or whatever, or, you know, you have trouble picking things out by ear. Um, maybe, you know, you still hear like notes ringing out when you play that you don't. You I guess what I'm trying to say is like isolate what's wrong. And if it's something you can fix with lessons, do that first. Or something you can fix with a book or, a, you know, practice regimen, do that first. And then maybe start looking at what can I do with my rig to improve my sound? And we've talked about this and I'm going to get some shirts made up, but we had the hierarchy of tone and I'm not going to go through the hierarchy right now. That was in a previous episode. If you want to go back, you can listen to it. Um, I think it's actually in the show notes for that episode. We talk about the hierarchy of tone. Um, I'm going to get some shirts made up from the, uh, from whatever our shirt vendor is. So we can sell some hierarchy of tone. It'll look like a, like a food pyramid, except it'll have, you know, speakers at the top and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. So, uh, I've been toying around with that idea for a while. There's another shirt we're going to do too, but I'm not going to reveal that one on the podcast as, uh, my wife actually suggested it. So, um, got to get that done. Hopefully I'll get some time to work on that stuff this week. But, uh, when you start, you know, kind of thinking about like how, how do I improve my sound? I saw a guy, I know him, actually through work and then also through the shop where, where uh, uh, good time music, where I do a lot of my shopping and I ran into him there and he was looking at another guitar and I know he's not a, you know, he's not a long time player or anything. And he's like, you know, I'm just looking for something to give me a little bit like different range of sounds and stuff. And I'm like, well, you know, honestly I'd be looking at a different amp before I would look at a different guitar for sounds, because I think the amp, provides a lot of the characteristics of what we think of as what a guitar sounds like. Yeah. And yes, guitar sounds different. Guitars do sound different from guitar to guitar, 
but I think that's like maybe 30% different. Whereas the amp is, you know, like 50% different. Um, I think you get more impact out of your amp. And so I just, you know, I kind of threw that out there and, uh, I think he didn't actually buy a different guitar, but you know, try to try to inform people and try to think about different things because everybody thinks like, Oh, well, you know, one piece of the puzzle fixes everything when they first start. And it's, it's not that at all. It's, I mean, we, we've said this early on the show that, you know, guitar is a system and each part of that system plays an integral part in the, the end result. So nuts to bolts, you know, you go through your cables and your pickups and your strings and the guitar itself and what kind of pick guard you use and, all these different things and it makes an impact on the, the end result. Now, how much of an impact each piece makes that's subjective, but if you have a goal in mind, you can pick the pieces you need to get where you're going. Yeah. Um, so I, Jim, what do you think is the, the cheapest like path to upgrade once you actually realize like I need to get something else out of my guitar? Um, you know, so if, uh, if I'm looking at a path to upgrade, as we've we've sp- spoken up before, um, <clears throat> first of all, pickups. It, it really depends on what it is that you're looking to get out of your guitar. If you don't think you're articulating well, pickups are a big thing. Yeah, um, yeah. You can have you have great pickups that don't artic- articulate well, and so you're. It sounds like one big string versus six individual strings. It's hard to describe until you've actually like well, played a good set of pickups and do that. Per- personally, but I think if you were to tell me I, along with your pickup conversation, I think the first thing to do before you even start considering buying pickups is adjust the heights. Yeah. So I many people say, don't. Well, that's what I was getting at. So, um, if you, if you were sit, to sit down and say, Oh, you know what? Um, my guitar just doesn't, I'm not getting the sustain. I got to go get a sustain pedal. I got to go get a compressor. Have you tried raising your action yeah. just a little bit or raising Have your, you tried, or raising your pickups or well, or lowering your pickups sometimes. <clears throat> and you can do this. You can get the pickups so close. They're pulling your strings. Sure. sure. Um, and so what they're doing is they're, they're literally um, pulling the string so hard that they're making the string stop vibrate. Mm -hmm. So um, stopping their vibration. So the idea is at that point is to lower the pickups just a little. So adjusting the height of your pickups, lower or higher. If you want more output of your, out of your guitar, you can raise your pickups. You'd be surprised at how minuscule a height you can go to get more out of your pickups. Um, Be careful with that neck pickup because believe it or not, um, neck pickups are usually hotter and bridge pickups. Um, but anyway, then um, you've got strings. Um, try adjusting them, raise them a little bit. Get a lo- get a um, heavier gauge. Um, just a little, you know, go uh, from nines to tens. Go uh, from nines to nine and a half. Nowadays, you can buy nine and a half inch uh, or Nine and a half. Change um, the type of string. Go from right. Nick, change the type of string. Nickel or, or right. steel or you know whatever steel. you're going to do. Um, you yeah. can even go to stainless you, steel. I mean, you, you can get so many tonal differences. One for free. All these adjustments we talk about, those yeah. are free. Yeah. Um. Just, so you were talking about neck pickups being hotter. I mean, that's not been my experience ever. 
to yeah. be honest with you. I've never oh, had well, a neck pickup hotter than my bridge pickup. I've always had the problem is that the neck pickup is a lot louder than the, uh, when I say hotter, I don't mean the the omage. I'm not talking about measuring. No, it out. no, I'm I mean I mean in volume, and that's that's yes. So if you have typically your neck pickup has to be backed off more anyway because yeah. the elliptical path of the string and where the string vibrates actually is much wider up there. So right. that's actually why you're, you know, you, that the pickups are wound to be low, lower, quieter. I, Nick right. Nick Bongers can chime in in the uh, Facebook group if he wants to set the record straight on that. But uh, but I I can see the phenomenon being described as like loud pickup, but it's right. really it's really the string that's causing that. Right. And, well, that goes back to what I was talking about with raising mm-hmm. your action a little. Bit. Sure. Sure. Um, I would raising, I, I would never raise my action personally, but that's yeah. Well, it, it doesn't have to be a lot. The the minuscule movement of this action it, it being raised is you know we're talking about less than a millimeter. We're talking I was, about. I was uh, experimenting that with with just that the other day because I was setting up uh, one of my guitars, and um, I have feeler gauges, and I think it was I think it was point ten, point one zero, which is millimeter. you know, yeah, it's, you know, yeah, infin- just over infinitesimal, a, and I can feel just the over di- the width I can of the hair, and you can feel it. Yes, you can by a lot. Yep. I'm like, nope, not doing this. Crank it back down. <laughs> <laughs> but if you're going to raise your, um, if you're going to um, get thicker strings, you're going to go from, like I said, nine to 10 or nine to nine and a half. Raising that action a little bit is going to give you more of this. It, it goes along with the fact that just what you're talking about. I never knew why my neck pickups. I never thought about the fact that the neck pickups is, is yeah, closer to the swinging to, of the right, string. Exactly, exactly. And that's why it's it, it seems hotter. Um, so as you bring the pickup closer to the string, if um, and you get that, other, the other, the other, I was going to say another pro tip: if you're getting um, if you're problems with articulation, I've had I've had a lot of uh, luck with this. If your if your pickup has adjustable pole pieces, and that means it's got screws yep. on it or whatever, yeah, lower the pickup, lower the pickup down, and bring the pole pieces up. Up, because yep. that will help counteract the fact that usually when you have adjustable pull pieces, you have some sort of like bar magnet or something in the pickup that that's helping that situation along. I don't, I don't think Gibson's hat. I don't know exactly. Gibson's how. not as much as, as Fender. Yeah, because they don't, I don't think they have a bar magnet in the Gibson's anyway. Right. No. And Gibson or well, Fender, Fender doesn't have that. adjustable pull pieces. I mean, no. you can adjust them with a with a pair of pliers, but you're not supposed yeah, to. Yeah, you're not supposed to um, do that. Because you can break them. Yeah, if you're not careful, you can definitely break them. Um, but, but my you, S500 pickups are adjustable. So yeah, you look at the Fender pickups, right? And and you look at the little poles, and the and they're supposed to go with the height of the string mm-hmm. relative to the pickup, right? Well, it's it's actually they're supposed to go with the. So if you're using standard set of nines like they put on their guitars, it's supposed to right. match the output level of those strings to the pickup. Right. And the and and the radius and all that. So um, that's that that it's not random. Those pickups are, are designed that nope. way for a reason. Yep. Um, I actually kind of like the flat pull piece pickups um, for those kinds of guitars um, yep. because I think nobody, I mean nobody I know uses the standard set of string gauges the whole time they have the guitar. It would be much better to have something like like GNL S five hundred does with the MFD pickups where they've got you know. Um, they got hex screws for the pole pieces. So at least then I can adjust my, my pickup or my pickup height to, you know, relative to the string volumes and not have to be set in stone. Right. Um, the other thing to, to look at is, um, and this is an inexpensive purchase. 
is get different pots. Yeah. Uh, what's the pots are like 10 bucks a pot now or something. They're like yep, between seven and get, $10. What's the company that makes the CTS the, is, the, is the popular CTS, one. Yeah. They're the popular So if one. you, if you go get a set of CTS pots, you can be under $20, um, you know, get or borrow a, uh, um, soldering iron, um, learn to solder. You're, yeah. Do yourself a favor and learn to solder anyway. Yeah. If you're but, a guitar, if you're a guitar player and you know, you're really getting into gear. Cause I know not everybody that listens to the show is into gear. And I know not everybody that is into gear listens to the show or vice versa. You know, the whole thing is not, we have a broad audience. Um, if yeah. you don't know how to do this, it's worth it just because you can swap your own pickups. Right. I mean, we're talking right. about like four wires in most cases. It's easy. It's, it's not hard. Make sure you take pictures of everything you do before you start. Yeah, I recommend stuff. that. Take photos. Everybody's got a phone somewhere, whether it's in your phone. I mean, phone. A, a camera, whether it's in your phone or well, whatever. And there's idiot guides online too. So even if you yes. screw it up, you can see, you know, Seymour Duncan right. puts out idiot wiring diagrams that are like That's drawings right. for dumbasses, schematics, yeah. you know. And you can find a, a million, a million. Uh, and I would go to someplace reputable, like you said, Seymour Duncan, <clears throat> because they're going to tell you where to put what lead. Um, mm-hmm. Get a little masking tape, you know, put. Put the lead numbers on your leads. Put little notes on your leads. Don't be afraid to put some tape on there and cut yeah. it off when you're done. At least, well, even if you leave it, who cares? Nobody's ever going to see yeah. it. Never going to get seen. But um, <clears throat> my understanding is anywhere. So um, what is it? Fenders come with, is it 500 meg? 250K. Uh, 250K. 250K. I moved up to 500s to give myself a little more punch. And what? And your fender? Yeah. Yeah, and that would be well. You've also running humbuckers there, right? Yes. So if you run humbuckers, you should be at five hundred k anyway. Right. Actually, I would recommend if you're running humbuckers, the, the, the total upgrade is yeah, seven fifty or one meg. Yeah, I think I went to one meg. I tried. I, go ahead. Um, the, so um, the way to look at that is the higher um, output is going to be that you're going to want a bigger um, a bigger resistor. Um, you can all, you also want to be careful when you buy your pickup or I mean, when you buy your pots, you want to decide whether you want a linear taper or what's the other taper, uh, linear and, uh, um, the tonal or logarithmic uh, logarithmic. Yeah. So what they mean by uh, that that's is audio taper. That's the same thing. Right. Audio tape. So a linear taper is simple. As you turn it, it's even the amount of ohms you add and subtract is, is even as you turn the the dial a logarithmic taper um brings uh has a lot of roll off for the ohms in the first what uh one third of them well it depends on it depends on which way you wire it in yeah and that's true and that's a big part of it so here here's my my takeaway from this um you need a logarithmic pot for your volume pot because your your volume pot the way that your your ear perceives volume is different then it is not a linear taper. And so it'll sound like you're rolling off a whole bunch right up front. Right. And then all of a sudden it, then it starts to be normal. Right. If you use right. if you use linear. So um, I would highly recommend a, a, an audio taper pot for audio your volume pot, lo- logarithmic, same thing, your volume pot. And as for your tone knobs, you can do either one. And it really just yep. comes down to personal preference. Yep. I always went with a linear. Um, yeah, but I think again, my, that's it's whatever my guitars have stock in them. I don't mess with them. Yeah. Honestly, like I try to buy guitars that have decent quality electronics to begin with. Um, I know that's not always the case. I got a Shingze. Uh, but, uh, and I've had some Gibsons, which uh, 
I don't like the fact that they have the boards and the amps, but I don't hate them. I'm not saying you shouldn't right. use the board in your amp. I just wasn't happy because I I wanted more treble. I wanted there were some other things. Like if I had to replace pickups, I don't want to have to do some like four four wire jumper thing. It's just ridiculous. So I just ripped mine out and had him put in fifties wiring. So I, I can't remember who the amp builder was um that was uh talking about the fact that people will buy 20 guitars and one amp or two amps. Yep. And that was the thing that, that we talked about. The big tonal differences that we that we get to. Um, your biggest tonal differences, if you don't want a bunch of amps, get one head and a bunch of cabinets. Or even or get two heads and a bunch of cabinets. Or get a modeler. Or a modeler and a bunch of cabinets. Yeah. You don't even need a bunch of cabinets. If you got a modeler and you got a full range system, you got the cabinets well, in the modeler. Yeah. And now, well, with, now with impulse responses, I mean... Yeah. IRs are getting much better. Um, IR, and, but it, IRs are indistinguishable from a real cab mic'd up. They are. Yeah. Not better. They are there. So... I've cha- well, I you're challenge- going to get the purists that will them, challenge fuck us. Em, but- fuck them. I don't care. I'm telling you right <laughs> now. They, they are almost indistinguishable. You, can't, you literally cannot tell the difference unless you are in the room looking at the cabinet. So yep. now um, as far as the digital amp modeling goes, that's a whole nother animal, but yes. cabinet models, they're, they're there. I mean, as far as that goes, you know, that that's a whole done deal at this point. Yep. But anyway, the, um, the thing that uh, we're talking about here is, you know, if you do want um, several tones, get a couple of heads and, um, connect them up to your speaker. Now, three, most combos, three heads and three cabinets, you're you're set. Right. Most combos, if you like the speaker in your combo, most combos, if you want to get another head, you can put the head right on top of your combo, hook the speaker up into the head of the of the new head, yeah, and so just keep ghetto. the other one off, and you can do that. That's so ghetto. So what I'm planning on doing? It is ghetto. I'm not saying. <laughs> I'm just saying for practicality purposes. I, yeah, yeah. I, I, I just saw who was it? Ryan was showing a picture of all the stuff that he drags in yeah, out of a yeah, gig. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I wanted to say, Ryan, dude, what? Yeah, I don't think that's a problem. Like, I've carried in more than that. I carry in more than that, but I sing. So I, gar- I carry a lot of microphone. If I took away my microphone stuff and my um, uh, everything else, I'd have a, I can get in with one, with two hands. Yeah, I know. And but, a backpack. But the, the, I guess it really depends on what you're doing. I mean, if you're if you're trying to be authentic, then you're going to have to carry more shit, and that's that's just the way it is. Some people like that. Some people are like, "Man, this is the way I want to do it, and I'm fine." Just like Ryan, somebody was recommending Ryan, don't do that, don't do that, and Ryan's like, "No, dude, I'm cool. Like, this is fine. I'm not trying to modify this." No, somebody tried to tell him, um, how to carry the stuff, like put it all into a yeah. Case, they were like, you know, road case, case it, and he's like, "I'm, and it's I'm like, fine no, with it." No, I got to get is. in between. I've got to get in yeah. between cars and, go, and I can see where Ryan's coming from for that because yeah. that's, yeah. That's the, um, you know. but yeah, I mean, I get it. You know, um, I think, I think nowadays a modeler goes a long way if you're playing little gigs. And yeah. so for, you know, if you're playing bar gigs, spend your money on a PA. I mean, yeah. you'll get more use out of the PA than you will, you know, an amplifier other than at your house. Um, yeah. 
I think even even things like the katana have. I watched I watched an Anderton's video yesterday of Chappers running through all these different amps, and he had to decide whether it was an amp or a pedal, right? And they put him through the Kemper, and yep. he thought the Kemper was an amp. No, he thought the Kemper was a pedal, or I don't remember what it was. I think he's like saying it was a pedal or something. But he's like, yep. it's one of the best sounds I've ever heard. And then he ran through a katana, and he goes, "That's a Kemper." And he's like, he's like, it absolutely is a Kemper. And if you think about that, that's a three hundred and fifty dollar amp that they're calling, you know, just as good as a two thousand dollar profiling device. I, I, yeah, but it, again, he's alone in a room without a band, and I, I get it, I got it. But that the katana will be fine with a band, Jim. There are guys doing it now. It's. I'm not saying it's not fine with a band. What I'm saying is I don't I wouldn't put it up against the Kemper in a band situation. No, I wouldn't well, put the two as the same. Depend, the, the Kemper's only as good as the profiles you're putting in it too. And that's I heard I I was absolutely. reading a thread somewhere the other day and there were some guys going, you know, mine just sucks. And then the other guy's like, what profiles are you using? Because you've got to remember this amp is or the, it's not really an amp. It's just a, right. a, a a playback device for profiles, and absolutely, it totally makes sense. Like if I was going to profile my Mark Five and I do it in a shitty room, and then I wonder why it sounds like shit on stage, you know, well there there's my answer. <laughs> so, um, I was actually thinking about getting a Kemper, uh, selling my Helix uh, around Gearfest and getting a Kemper instead, but I I don't think I'm going to do that. If anything, if I switch away from the Helix at this point, I'm probably going back to full analog. Well, as much as I can, you know. Obviously, I have digital effects and stuff, but I'm yeah. I might be the one buying your your Helix, so we'll see about that. Um, or a or a Pod HD 500. Yeah, I mean, I could so totally see for what you're doing right now. I could totally see that. Are you able to use the? Um, are you having any problems with the? Uh, no, no problems. Yeah, is, yeah, but even like the the, the uh, funk stuff and all that kind of music you're doing right now, the disco and all yeah. that stuff. Yeah, the clean so, sound. Matter of fact, I'm on the clean sound. Um, so what I normally do right now is I've been running. So to get my disco sound, I'm doing a lot of disco stuff. Um, I'm pulling the. Um, uh, it, you know, it's not truly authentic, but I'm pulling the um, the coil split, right? The coil tap, right? So I'm tapping the coil. Um, mostly using the bridge pickup, surprisingly enough. Yeah, no, that's, um, that sounds like a bridge pickup sound in most of that stuff. So Definitely backing off on the volume. I'm down to like four, four and a half on the volume, sometimes five, um, which gives me a whole lot of head. I had forgotten because I haven't been playing like that in a long time. So I had forgotten that I don't really need a, I don't need a booster pedal. All I do Not is... Not for that, no. I roll that, that bridge pickup up i kick a um a uh, little um overdrive and i can slam a good solo mm-hmm. and then all i do is roll back and i'm, I'm there so you're using the clean tone on the uh the amp one though and it sounds great big time yeah very, very fender like very extremely fender like it's a, it the vintage tone which his, his vintage i can roll off and get a really good um you know plinky sound but not as pure as when I go to his clean tone, which yeah, because the vintage is based on the KT sixty six Marshall. Yep. So where the the other one, the clean is based on a Fender. Yeah, some and it Fender, really really shows. It one. really shows. It, it's um, extremely was, clean. 
So I heard him play it when I was at GearFest, and I was like, yeah, it's pretty good. But I didn't, you know, I didn't get to mess around the clean channel a whole lot. And I think yep. that would be one of the deciding factors on whether I get one. Um, I may influence the wife to just give me an amp one for Christmas. Yeah. I guess it really depends on the Mercury is going to be out by then. I was going to, yeah. I was going to ask him about that. Yeah. I have to, I have to get in touch with, with Thomas anyway, because, um, I've been listening to his records and when he comes to GearFest next year, I know he's got stuff that's not in print here in the United States. I want more of his catalog. I want as right. much as, of much as it, as he can bring me and I will pay him. Um, and I, I've been listening to one song. I, I, I'm going to tell this story because I just goes to show you like what music can do to people. I was, I, I woke up from a dead sleep the other night. It was like three o'clock in the morning and I could hear this part in my head and I'm like, I I've heard this in the last couple of days and it was in my dream. And as I started like, you know, in the haze of everything I could remember in the dream, I was playing with somebody and he was playing this part. And I was just like, that's so killer. I want to play that. And then I pulled out my guitar and then I was like trying to do it. And I, and I figured out that it was in sixth and stuff. And I, and I had a lot of the lick down and then I woke up and that's when I you know, had this moment. So for the last four days, I've been going through my iTunes history and listening to the stuff I've been listening to for the last four days to find this line. And I found it and it's in, um, it's in Thomas Blug's uh, TNT. And, <laughs> and it's, it's not ACDC's TNT, right? And, right, right, and, right. and it's Thomas Blug's doing this line in the beginning. It's, um, it's a uh, intro bit and it is so damn good. I'm just, I, it's just draw dropping his, if you haven't listened to his playing yet, I know he was on the show. Go get the best of Thomas blue off of iTunes. Um, it's, and so it's basically the same album from the studio and then in live and his playing. Yep. I mean, he is, if you like Andy Timmons, you're going to love Thomas blue. I mean, that's, that's where he's at very lyrical and, but there's technical prowess there too. So, um, just, just killer player. Um, and I, I hope if I get the chance at GearFest, I'm going to walk up to him and be like, hey, man, can you play TNT for me? Because uh, that song, uh, it does something for me, man. I, I got to say, uh, I haven't had a song like that that woke me up out of sleep in a long, long time where I'm like, man. Um, other famous players who've had issues like this, uh, Steve Ray Vaughn said that he actually used to compose music while he was asleep. Like yeah. he would he would get uh, guitar lessons with Jimi Hendrix while he was asleep and then he would wake up and he would try to write down the music he had just learned and um, oftentimes fail miserably. So <laughs> there are people that there's actually a group of people that believe that he is the reincarnation of Jimi Hendrix. Uh, or he was the reincarnation of Jimi Hendrix. Right. So right. I, if that's true, I could then, see that. If that's true, then I submit to you who is the reincarnation of Stevie Ray Vaughan. <laughs> Good question. Also, I watched Gary Clark Jr. Uh, do a performance today. Man, that guy can play. Oh. Yes, and he can, can sing too. Yep. He's yep. really freaking good at it. So he's yep. got a signature fender, doesn't he? No. Uh no, he, he's got a signature SG. Yeah, he has a signature SG. He's had a signature Epiphone dot too, I think, because yep. he actually played like a 335 style guitar from Epiphone for a while. I gotta play a yeah, I got to play a 335 and a three three something five. The Single cut. Okay. Version. It's like a 315 or something like that. Yeah. Or a 135. Well, it was like, a, no, it was three something. It was like a Birdland. Okay. Okay. As far as its size. Yeah. I, 
I'm hoping to play it more often. You know, the one guitar that I like that um, you don't see a lot of anymore is the, the Blues Hawk. Because mm. it was a semi-hollow with a veritone cir- circuit. And it was yep. kind of Les Paul body style shape with a P90 in it. Actually, it's a yep. pair of P90s. Uh, that was a killer guitar. If you've ever played one, they're they're pretty cool. Um, and, you know, the Veritone thing's kind of hit or miss. Some people like it, some people don't. Yes, it is, yep. But, um, yeah, I, I, if I saw one of those guitars somewhere cheap, I might uh, might have to might have to cough up. Because I actually like those quite a bit. They're cool slide guitars, too. Yeah. So, so as you know, I'm looking at the, the um, Fender Player series. Oh, you still you still look at you still thinking Fender? Yeah, possibility. Huh? Uh, watch Anderton's video on uh, the GNLs they because they're carrying the GNL line now. Yeah, and uh, watch their their because they do a little bit of like comparison talk, like where does this sit? Where does this range sit with this range? And they're comparing yeah. the tributes, and it's so funny because their pricing is different over there, but they're comparing the tributes with the player series, and they're like they're basically neck and neck. Actually, the in fact, I think he says the tribute might be a step above the player series. But he's like, I don't want to say that. You know, it's like I don't want to say that well, because he can't really, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and he sells them both. They have to be super careful about saying that this is a Strat style guitar. They, they right. can't say that. They have to say this is a legacy, and it yeah. resembles this other guitar. <laughs> yeah, the S style guitar. I, yeah. So they're doing um, Gino right now. Cool thing they're doing this uh, thing called CLF Research. Which yep. is uh, a throwback to the '80s guitars, and the first guitar they came out with is the Skyhawk, which is uh, it's basically an S500, but with their old style body from the '80s, and that thing looks really cool with the with the new head headstock because the original headstocks they didn't like them, um, but the right. new the new Skyhawks look, look kind of cool. But that that's not what you're going for. You need a you need I if you were going to buy a GNL, I would say Legacy straight up, and I would go Tribute because they're just they're fine. Um, but if you're looking for a strat and like you want resale value, then you got to go Fender and get get. Yeah, because you're looking at exactly the same price, really. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. I wouldn't buy new though. That's that's the difference. So if I was going to buy a tribute, I buy used. I wouldn't. I wouldn't bat an eye at buying used. Right. So, um, just because I played enough of them that you know, even if the guy dicks it up pretty bad, like what am I out like a hundred bucks to to pull the frets, put new ones in, and have somebody do a fret job on it. Right. So. Yeah, it's harder. Um, when you're looking at GNL, it's harder because the the well at that price point, Fender's not going to save or I mean hold a lot of value. Um, uh, it might surprise you any more than any more than the legacy. The, well, the legacies go for half price used. Yeah, the, the player series is not going going to go for half price used. Now, there's no precedent well, for that yet. There's but, no precedent because the player series hasn't got a chance to get the, a lot of use. The, the comparison would be Mexican Stratocaster new price versus Mexican Stratocaster used price, which I would say is probably 60% of its original value. Right. So 60% versus 50%. GNLs don't hold their value. They don't. I'm, I'm no. the first person to tell you that right now. But that's if I was buying used, it doesn't matter because the depreciation's already been taken off. Yeah. But if you look at them, I mean, they're in the $400 category used. What do you know? The legacies. Oh no, I see them for three sixty all the time. Three fifty, yeah. three sixty. That's not four hundred. And you can get free shipping if you find one local. Not local, but like in your area. And you say, hey, you know, I'm only you know so far away. If you ship it to me, it's only going to be like twenty bucks. Yeah, I'm looking at uh, um, 
you gotta remember I'm in I'm in Virginia. There's not a lot of there's not a lot of used stuff in this area. I'm not saying just that. Not. I'm just saying you you're telling me you wouldn't have one shipped from Washington, DC. Or in Maryland or somewhere like that. That's the shipping uh, on that would uh, be minimal. It ain't no hundred dollars to ship it from, you know, from like a neighboring state. Believe me, I got in a lot of deals by that. I look for people in like Ohio and stuff. I'm like, you know, you're only like a day away from me. Your yeah, but if I'm going to buy a used, what you're rating, you know, I'm going to buy a used guitar like that. I'm going to still want to play it anyway. So fair enough. That's where it, that's where the danger did, comes in. I mean, you look you, at you need an adventure. That's what you need. You look at these things and it's like, OK. I mean, a lot of people have no problem. They're like, yeah, I'll I'll buy a guitar for for three hundred and fifty bucks. I wouldn't care. From, you're you talking 500 you're talking you about buying new like, that's not what they cost jim 350 bucks that's what i'm saying 350 bucks oh yeah that's not that and i get it in and i'm like oh i don't really like this and then i'm out that much money because i haven't i didn't get to play it new either because nobody around here carries gnl well i here here's my here's where i where i come down this if i know the specs of the guitar i don't need to touch it i don't i can tell you whether i'm gonna like it without touching it yeah but i've never i've never played a gnl so what's your problem then? And I don't know what they feel like. I don't it's know. It's a strat. It's yeah. <laughs> Jim, Jim, come on! It's Just it's saying. a strat with a twelve inch radius. You play yeah. any strat with a twelve inch radius, and that's what it is. It's the same body, same thickness, and everything. There's no difference. Believe me, I'm a, I but I'm I, I played enough fenders over the years to tell you there's r- really not much of a difference. I know there will be yeah. people in the group. Oh, well, the, the arm contour varies by a half a degree. And it's like, come on. <laughs> I'm shaking I, my yeah. head. I'm shaking my head. But no, I get, I get it, Jim. Like, you have, you've never played one. and But don't yeah. poo-poo them unless you try one. And I'll tell you right now. That's what I'm saying. I'd have to I travel will, 100 miles to play one. I am not happy about buying a Fender right now. Like, if I had to, if, if, so the Fender's got a couple of guitars I really, I'm kind of eyeing. And I'm still sitting there going, dude, I could, I can spend $1,500 for this, which it, I feel like I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm losing $300 in that deal. I would be better off because I'm going to play it. I don't buy stuff to sell it. So if I'm going to buy, you know, a Telecaster, it would make more sense for me to go buy like an ASAC classic because I can get exactly what I want from, from an ASAC classic, like li- down to the finish. If I want that purple sparkle finish. I'll just call them up. I want Purple Sparkle, ASAT Classic. In a month, I'll have it. Right. So it, it makes – and I, I like the idea that you had – see, that's the only thing that I would and, – and this is the only thing I would I would say. This is why you need to touch a Juno before you buy one because neck shapes are slightly – they're different. But if you know what a C-shapes feels like, they're, they're a C-shape, you know. Um, they do make – so they do make some Vs and stuff too, but I mean, basically a C-shaped neck is a C-shaped neck to an extent. Obviously, you know, the thickness of the neck varies and stuff, but theirs is pretty middle of the road. It's not baseball bat or anything like that. Basically, they try to emulate what Fender is doing in the Tribute series. So the Tribute, the tribute line is basically, here's, here's our take on what Fender is doing right now, except we're going to put a 12-inch radius on it in a lot of cases. I don't know that the current legacy may not be 12 inches. Because I was reading the USA Legacy uh, standard neck dimensions now are uh, 9.5. So, Well, that kind of makes sense. 
Well, it, it does um, make sense because that's to supposed to, to be capture that. They're supposed to be that the the legacy is supposed to be their fender their fender killer. That's what it's supposed to be. Um, right. Which and the tribute. Well, the tribute's going to be different from the true legacy, right? What? Well, how? I just mean, in the, are they going to do anything different with it? It's usually the same body wood, and well, I mean, you can spec your body wood too on the USA. The only difference with the USA is you get to choose what you want on them. So if I call up and I say, uh, I want an ash body, um, I can do that with a USA. Whereas like for an S for the S 500, they typically come with, um, with a mahogany body. So if I'm going to go buy a tribute, I'm getting the mahogany body. That's the difference. Whereas the USA, I can say, I want ash or I can say, I want this and they'll do it. Um, then they have a list of options, obviously. So you'd have to kind of go through a dealer to find out exactly what you want. I'm looking on their site right now to see what the yeah, tribute. Yeah, that says nine and a half inch. Right yeah, here. so they're down to a nine and a half on the legacies now. Yeah, so it, yeah, that's funny. It's uh, it's funny that they're doing that. Well, it kind of makes sense. I mean, I don't. I wouldn't say it's funny so much. I'm surprised because I just bought my S500. I'm checking it to make sure it's a nine and a half. It should be. Or it's uh, not nine and a half, uh, uh, 12. Yep. I remember those funny pickups they had on the, uh, the ASATs, the Comanches. Yeah, the MFTs. The Comanches yeah. is a different thing. That's the split quills. Yep. I wouldn't, I'm not a big fan of Comanche. I played one just recently and thought it played like shit. So, well, they've got an ASAT and a Comanche that both got like this weird P, yeah. P base, the, um, the Z coil, whatever they call yeah. it. Yeah, and I don't see the um. Then that's the other thing is their website sucks because I'm on Safari and it's showing like as a mobile website. Yeah, this is riveting right here, by the way. So I mean, you know, again, I'm not, I'm not poo pooing the G and L by any stretch of the imagination. No, so by the way, the S five hundred is a twelve inch radius. I thought so because it it plays just like my other one. Um, honestly, the medium C that's on that. Uh, which I'm pointing at, it's a, it's behind me. That's the that. Uh, the medium seat that's on that is just like what you're going to get on an American Standard right now, or whatever they're called, the Professional Series or whatever. It's it, it's identical in shape. Um, so I'm totally happy with that. Uh, they, you know, and they they do. So I don't know if Fender's doing the uh, Rosewood anymore, or are they doing Palfero now. That's Palfero on the Player Series, at least. Yeah. Um, because but I'm going to be getting a Maple anyway. They're doing Brazilian cherry for their for their fingerboards on the S five hundred. I think the legacy you can get in maple, the tribute legacy. But I wouldn't buy new. I would buy used. I'd look for for one of the older, uh, new ones because you. What happens is a lot of um and and this is going to be kind of a funny funny way of looking at it. But what happens with a lot of these guitars is they end up uh a beginner buys it because it's like what their store offers is their beginner beginner guitar, and then yeah. they take it home and they don't play it. And then it ends up getting sold on like eBay or something. And it might go through two or three players hands before it ends up in yours. Um, right. But they're, they're fine. Like I honestly, so when I was, when I was first investigating G and L years and years ago, um, Godan was the brand that everybody was buying and saying, this is better than an American standard strat. Yep. And I bought the... one. I bought one. I had one. Um, mm-hmm. It was not better than an American standard strat. Nope. And, I owned a, I owned a Godan. I had uh, what was it? The SDXT, I think. 
Um, and it was a, it was a good guitar, but it, it was not as good as an American strap. There were no right. way in hell. Um, and when I bought that, when I bought this, uh, this tribute, I was like, that's what I should have bought. If they were that good back then, I should have bought that. Cause that's what I was looking for. Um, these right. are every bit as good as a USA, you know, USA strap. That's why I'm like, for a lot of people, if you're going to use this as an actual guitar and you're not going to sell it, um, I would just buy a tribute legacy and be done with it. There, there. I mean, if you want an off the shelf guitar, if you're looking for something special, if you need some particular feature that you're only going to get on a Fender, like uh, Fender has the was it the um, the Elite Strat with all the extra bells and whistles on it? If you're going to use yeah. that stuff, then get the Elite Strat. You know, by all right. means. Um, yeah. So no. Uh, I don't need anything like that. I mentioned it in the last episode. We wa- I watched that Johan Segborn video where he looked at all the strats from like 1975 back to um, back to 54 or whatever when it was introduced, and yep. it was really kind of telling. You can hear the differences in each guitar, and you don't know if it's because of the model year because they did make changes every year. Virtually every year, the strats been around. Changes have happened. Um, or if it's just, you know, each guitar sounds different, but I'll tell you the 60, the 61, actually, I think it was the 61, 62 and 63 were all brilliant. Maybe the 60, I'm I, I could be 61, 61, 62. I'm not really clear on that, but I, I know I've, if I was shopping for, you know, a $10,000 Strat, I'd be buying a 61. I would not, I would not hesitate. That would be, that would be the guitar to look at. Right. Um, so. If you're looking at pickups, Jim, that's, you know, look for the 61s. <laughs> Tr- trust me. Um, the difference in the difference in tonality is palpable. Um, yeah. I was floored. Um, and it's, we, I think we talked about it in the last episode, but a lot of the famous players play 60, 61, 62s. You know, they're in that, that between 60 and 64. Like those are where all the good strats are apparently. Um, it's yeah, it's funny to hear um uh people talk about that. that I there's like, only, only I, certain Yeah, go ahead. I like the Ingve pickup too. Yeah. there so everybody thinks they're gonna be these super hot, like treble inflected pickups. And they're not. They are they are very mild output. And they sounded really, really good. Um, so if I was, if I was specking out a guitar, cause they're noiseless, I would, that's, that would be what I would do. Um, you're looking to play the players is the, the, uh, Mexican series now, isn't it? Yeah, that's the Mexican. So it depends on the pickups. Cause I haven't, I, I need to get my hands on one of the current Mexican series. I've like actually picked one up and strummed one, but I haven't plugged it into anything yet. Um, I would be curious as to what the quality of pickups were. I know the Mexican pickups that I've used before were awful. I couldn't, I couldn't jive with them at all. Um, yeah, they were anemic. And even some of the older USA pickups, like the 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 USA Strat I had, I think was a '98, and the pickups in it were abysmal. They were, I just, I couldn't believe that they that they were putting these pickups in American guitars, just just thin like. No, no guts to them at all. Um, they were extremely low output. Um, I, I ripped them out almost immediately and threw in a set of Duncans. Um, but really, 
Yeah, because they were they were junk. Um, and they went with the guitar when I sold it. So I was like, yeah, I don't want these anymore. You have them. <laughs> they were they were bad. Um, Keep these. Well, and I listen. I know a lot of people who bought Fenders of that era, and you know that's the first thing they did was just rip the pickups out because they were garbage. Um, I, maybe you get a good one every once in a while, or maybe some of the models are not that way. But the ones that I've owned were because I had a a '98 and I have a 2002 Jimmy Vaughn Strat, which is Tex Mex. The only yep. thing good in that guitar was the bridge pickup. Uh, the rest of the pickups in it are garbage. Um, I had an SRV Strat that was from, shoot, I think that was a 99. And the the pickups, so the SRV pickups are all like their own thing anyway. Um, they're Texas Specials, and they're just super muddy. Um, they're just, they're really high output. And it's kind of funny because when they took uh, Stevie's guitar apart, his pickups were not high output at all. They were like 6.4 or something. So they were kind of mild um, by today's standards. I mean, obviously you can get right. a single coil at like 11K now if you want. Um, I think Bare Knuckle does one at like 18K, a single coil pickup at 18K. It's like the maximum output you can possibly get from a single coil. That's incredible. I forget what it's called, um, but yeah. Fact check me. It may not be 18K, but it's a it's stupidly high output. Um, it's It's like an active pickup, but passive. <laughs> so I wouldn't. Yeah, you don't, don't, like need, you don't need that, like Jim. That. You actually need like a straight set of just like normal pickups, like exactly. custom custom shop fifties pickups or something. Exactly. I don't think I would want to do uh, any of that stuff. All right. Well, so we're in an hour and twenty four minutes, and we did not stay on topic very much in this Jeepers. podcast. But that's fine. We 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 do that every once in a while. <laughs> It's not bad. We don't we don't talk about, you know, Kavanaugh and that kind of stuff on this podcast. So we got right. we got, you know, that was as close as I'm gonna get to talking about Kavanaugh, right? Saying his name. So um believe me, you don't and want me to talk about that. Yeah, that's exactly exactly. So we say Kavanaugh, we've said it like four or five times now. Kavanaugh, Kavanaugh, Kavanaugh. Uh yep. I have been David. Kavanaugh, Kavanaugh, Kavanaugh. One more Kavanaugh for Kavanaugh. four. All right, then I've been Jim. And we have been the Practical Guitarists.